Welcome to Wisdom Trek with Gramps. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, and we are on day 2,221 of our trek. The purpose of Wisdom Trek is to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, and to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. We are continuing the message I delivered at Putnam Congregational Church over the past couple of years. This is the second of three Easter-related messages titled, When the Stones Cry Out. I pray that it will be a conduit of learning and encouragement for you. Now last week, we had a beginning of our resurrection messages. And there was a sermon titled, Making It All Better, The Story of Lazarus, taken from John chapter 11. The story set the final stage for the Christ to enter Jerusalem to fulfill his purpose. And that purpose was proclaimed by John the baptizer at the beginning of his ministry, three years prior to this. When he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world in John chapter 1, verse 29. And as we approach this Easter season, we're reminded of those miraculous events that occurred in the life of Jesus throughout his ministry, but specifically leading up to that week before his crucifixion and resurrection. One of those most remarkable events was the raising of Lazarus from the dead, which we discussed last week. In today's reading, is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 35 through 42. Tells a story about Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. An event commonly known as Palm Sunday. The event that marks the beginning of what we refer to as the Holy Week. That was leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. In the passage, we see Jesus riding on a colt down that road to Jerusalem, the people were waving the palm branches. Blessed is he, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They were proclaiming a new king was coming on the horizon for the city of Jerusalem. They spread their cloaks on the road before him as a sign of honor as they laid out their cloaks for him to ride upon as he went on that road into Jerusalem. It was a sign of victory. It was much like if we would wave the American flag at a, a 4th of July parade, an Independence Day parade, saying, America, we stand with you. They were saying that, Jesus, we stand with you as the king coming into the city. However, if you look at your bulletin insert on the side, it says events of the Holy Week with the picture of Jerusalem at the top. Let's look at the bottom one there, and it talks about the weeping king. When he approached the city, we see a weeping king, a savior weeping once again, as he did at the, th the tomb of Lazarus. He recognizes the tragedy, the destruction that will come upon Jerusalem in a few short years because of their unbelief and refusal to accept him as their Messiah. This passage reminds me of the joy and celebration, though, of Palm Sunday and the seriousness, though, of that holy week, that sacrifice that Christ provided for us. It also challenges us to reflect on our response to Jesus as we welcome him into our lives and our community, not only here at Putnam, but the church worldwide. Do we honor him as king or do we reject him and turn away? Today on Palm Sunday, we could talk about the Mount of Olives. We could talk about the significance of Jesus coming into Jerusalem from the Eastern Gate. We could talk about Jesus driving out those money changers and cleansing the temple in the next day. But today, I want to focus on something we don't often consider on Palm Sunday. 
I want to focus on rocks and stones that lined the road as he was coming into Jerusalem. That's right, stones. And you might wonder, what in the world do stones have to do with Palm Sunday? But it's an integral part of the passage today. Let's read Luke chapter 19, verses 35 through 42, and starting on, or listed on page 1632 of your pew Bible, and we'll find out. Starting in verse 35, they brought it, the colt, to Jesus, and they threw cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw that city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. So did you spot in the passage where it talks about the stones or the rocks? Right in the middle, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. But I like how the New Living Translation puts it even better. It is, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers, crying out. I have the stones here as an example of the stones along the road. This is Paula's Blessings Garden. And she has each of the names of our grandkids painted on those. And we have this outside our back door. And it has blessings in it. And these, every time we go in and out of the house, shout out to us. Blessings. The blessings that we have in our lives. One of our grandkids, I forget which one it was, looked at them one day and says, whose blessings? <laughs> we had to tell them that all you grandkids are the blessings to our lives. And they shout to us as we exit our house and we enter our house. What blessings they are to our lives. And that's what the cheers were just like that with the disciples along the road. Now that'd be quite a sight, wouldn't it? How would you like to see rocks shouting out blessings? I think that would be amazing. But once, if we did, they did shout out, something would be lacking there. According to our passage, it would not be a good thing. Why? Because it would mean that we're not doing our job giving God his rightful praise. So there's three things that I want us to learn from this short passage today. And all three are related to this mysterious saying of Jesus about the rocks crying out. God is worthy of our loud and joyful praise. It's the first thing we want to look at. Second, we want to look at our praise should focus on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And third, God must and will be praised through Jesus Christ. So those are the three points we want to look at today. First of all, God is worthy of our loud and joyful praise. Look verse 31 with me. When he came near to the place on the road down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God with loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Now, if you look at the top graphic there on that same side of your bulletin insert, the events of the Holy Week, this is a picture of the city of Jerusalem. And I know the text is very small, so you might have to 
get your magnifying glass out at home and look at it. But down toward the bottom, pointing to where the Last Supper was, where Jesus was betrayed by um, or Peter's, Peter's denial, where the trials took place. But if you look toward the right top-hand side, you'll see a little highlighted area in greenish-yellow. It says Golden Gate around it. Right below that is a squiggly white line. And that's the road that Christ entered into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, where the people lined that road and said, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. It's Passover week. And Jesus is on his donkey heading into Jerusalem on that road. The crowds have gathered. The atmosphere is electric. Everyone's emotions are turned to a high fever pitch of excitement. The crowds welcoming Jesus have not only heard about his miracles, most of them were eyewitnesses to his miracles. They have seen someone do something that no one in all of history has done before. In last week's message, we learned about... Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And that was after he was in the tomb for four days. And his body was, should have been decomposing by that time. And so as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, the crowd is full of joyful praises with loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And if you remember last week, we talked about the seven sign miracles in John. They'd seen these throughout Jesus' ministry. And now they realize he raised Lazarus from the dead. Maybe Lazarus was one of those in the crowd, shouting with the rest of the disciples. God is not only worthy of praise, God is worthy of loud and joyful praise. I'm not a very excitable person at sporting events or other events at times, but here would be a time where we should shout with loud and joyful praises. Now, there's many reasons why God should be worthy of that praise, but the primary reason that's given to us in Scripture that God created all things for his glory. We read in Revelation chapter 4, verses 11, verse 11, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. God is the creator. He created before all things. He created all things, and there's nothing absolutely nothing that we have in our lives that we have without him. We have the world. We have the universe that's ever expanding and they can't, we can't get our mind over the universe, how massive and awesome it is. We have our life. We have the breath that we're breathing in and out every day. We have the, our very being because God chose to create. By God's will, all things were created and have their being. In other words, you've got nothing without God. Therefore, God is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. God created all things for his glory. Not only that, we find our greatest joy ourselves as believers is found in praising him. We read in Psalm chapter 100, verses 1 through 3, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, the first in instruction in Psalm 100 is to shout to the Lord. It sounds like loud and joyful praises to me. We worship him not only as our Lord, but also we worship him, our Lord, with gladness. We come before him with joyful songs. Why? Why? Because God is our creator. He made us. 
and we belong to him. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. God created all things for his glory. Our greatest joy then is found when we praise him. Therefore, God is worthy of loud and joyful praise. Just like the crowds that stood along that road as he rode into Jerusalem, Jesus approached on that first Palm Sunday. So our first point this morning is God is worthy of our loud and joyful praise. Or secondly, we praise, our praise should be focused on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. If we look back in our passage in Luke 19, verses 38 and 39, look what, and listen to what the crowds shouted that day. Blessed is a king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. As the crowds offered their loud and joyful praises to God, notice how they focused on Jesus. Luke specifically records those statements made about Jesus. And when you take those statements and compare them with other scriptures that we find, we see those statements focus on the person and the work of Jesus. Who Jesus is and what he's done for us. First, let's look at the person of Jesus. Who Jesus is. Jesus is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The first shout of praise in Psalm chapter 118, which John read, verses 24 through 26, where we read, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you'll notice the theme of joy in Psalm 118. It rests in the fact that Jesus is our creator. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I try to say that when I get up in the morning at 5 o'clock, but it's difficult to say, let us rejoice and be glad in it. I can't already even think. But that's what we're to. Every day we just say, this is the day that the Lord has made, regardless how difficult it is. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And then notice the cry for salvation in the middle of that passage in Psalm 118. Oh, Lord, save us. Oh, Lord, grant us success. And the word translated there, save us, is a Hebrew word in the other Gospels on that road into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday where they say, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That word Hosanna means Lord, save us. And it comes from the part of the verse that people apply directly to Jesus on that first Palm Sunday. In Psalm 118, it says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But notice how it changed slightly in Luke's narrative, where they say, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And why do you think they changed at that point? The people in Jerusalem acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah, that long-awaited Savior that God promised that he would send long ago. Now, they don't know everything about the Messiah yet, what it really entails. They don't understand that Jesus is not only the Messiah, but he's the very Son of God. They don't understand that Jesus came not only to be king over Israel, but he came to be king over the entire earth, all of the global Eden, the kingdom of God. In the last day when Jesus returns, he will establish his kingdom over everything. They don't understand that Jesus came for the people's sin to be their savior and not a political savior, which they were hoping for. They don't understand any of that yet. They, don't recognize, they do recognize Jesus as the Messiah, though, the savior, the promised one, 
And so they joyfully echo those words of Psalm 118, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. God is worthy of our loud and joyful praise, and our praise should be focused on the work and the person of Christ. Jesus is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That is the person who Jesus is. Jesus' death brings peace to heaven and earth. That is the work of Jesus and what he did for us. As we read in Luke chapter 19, verse 38, the people cry out, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And the second phrase echoes the same phrase that the angel sang at Christ's birth. Let's look at those two verses together. Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the angel song at Christ's birth, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men in whom his favor rests. And then the people declare as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, peace in heaven and glory in the highest in Luke 19, 38. Jesus' birth, the angel shouted, peace on earth at Palm Sunday when the people shouted, peace in heaven. Both are wondrously true. Did the people ever even realize the significance of what they were saying? They may not have. But God, in his sovereignty, knew that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, it was for the purpose of him dying on the cross to be our sacrifice for our sin. Jesus' sacrificial death would bring peace in heaven and peace on earth. Peace between God and man. And it would put all who put their faith in Christ. And we read a beautiful song about Jesus in Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. It says, in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The passage is a song that we'll sing throughout all eternity. Worthy is a lamb. There is the person of Christ who was slain. There is the work of Christ who sacrificed himself for our sins, for the world's sins, to take away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, who he was destined to be from the proclamation of John the Baptizer in his early ministry. He was slain for your sins and mine. And with his blood, he purchased the men and women for God from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. No one would be excluded. His sin is for all who choose to accept him. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wisdom and wealth, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. So we see Jesus, the Son of God. He is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus brings peace through his death, both to heaven and on earth. Therefore, our praise should focus on the person and work of Jesus Christ. So we've looked at the first two points here in today's passage. God is worthy of loud and joyful praise, and our praise should focus on the work and the person of Christ. And finally, God must and will be praised through Jesus Christ. Now in Luke chapter 19, verse 39 and 40, some of the Pharisees said to the crowd, or said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. In the New Living Translation, as I read, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst forth and cheer. And so we learn that not everyone on that road to Jerusalem was very happy about Jesus on that Palm Sunday. The Pharisees heard the people proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah, 
So they tell Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And you know what? Any good rabbi, any good teacher would have said to his disciples, let's temper it down a bit. At least that's what they should do. But Jesus did not rebuke them because he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. In fact, rather than rebuking the people, he affirmed them of their praise by saying, if they kept quiet, the very stones along the road would burst forth in cheer. I love that phrase. It's wonderfully ambiguous, but it's also, at the same time, it's a clear affirmation that Jesus accepted the people's praise that he was the Messiah. So what did Jesus mean when he said, the stones will burst into cheers? Well, there's several possible interpretations of it. I'll give you just three today. One interpretation is Jesus says that it's just impossible for, impossible for my disciples to be quiet as it is for these stones to cheer out. The Messiah is here. How can they possibly not rejoice? The second interpretation would be that Jesus is worthy of praise, and if we do not give him the praise, then God will find some other means, even if it means making the stones cheer out those praises instead. And a third interpretation sees the stones not as praise, but as judgment to those who do evil. We find parallels to this in the Old Testament, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, where we read, the stones of the wall cry out, and the beams of the woodwork echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by crime. So in this interpretation, the stones would condemn those disciples who refused or withhold their praise, or the Pharisees who would like to seek them silenced. I like the second interpretation best. I think that makes the most sense. Because if the disciples would remain silent when they should be praising God, then God has a means of causing the stones to shout out his praises. Nothing is beyond God's capability. It means that there's a clear affirmation that the people praises are more important than the Pharisees' objections. So God is going to get his praise one way or another. And if we keep quiet, then the very stones will burst forth in praise. This is saying that Jesus, this saying of Jesus is remarkable for several reasons. First, the Bible tells us that God will not give his glory to another. As we read in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another. So God's glory belongs to him alone. And he does not share or give his glory to anyone else. And yet, the Bible teaches us that Jesus shares God's glory. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he gathered disciples together and prayed that prayer that's more aptly said is the Lord's Prayer. In John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, if you remember when we studied the book of John, Jesus prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he may give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So now remember, God will not share his glory with another. And yet we see that Jesus shares God's glory. So the con conclusion is unmistakable. If Jesus shares God's glory, then Jesus is God. 
We see that. Indeed, Jesus Christ will share the glory of God because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The New Testament confirms that verse many places, but perhaps the clearest is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9-11, through 11, where we read this about Jesus, the Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So if you look at your other side of your bulletin insert today, when the stones cry out this Palm Sunday, what does it all mean? What does it mean when it says the stones would burst forth and cheer? Exactly what we've just been talking about through this whole passage. God is worthy. First, God is worthy of our loud and joyful praise. He created all things for our glo- His glory, and our greatest joy is found in praising Him. Second, our praise should focus on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. That person, that is the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death brings peace in heaven and on earth. That is the work that Jesus came to do. And third, God must and will be praised through Jesus Christ. God will not give his glory to another. Jesus shares God's glory, therefore Jesus is God. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we shouldn't wait until every knee has bowed before we give God this glory that is due. Let us give God his rightful praise through Jesus Christ every day of our life, not just on Palm Sunday or on Easter Resurrection Day, because if the stones... Or if we, if we keep quiet, the stones will burst forth and cheer. Let us do what we're called to do and what we desire to do is to give God the glory, to give God the praise, to shout out in loud and joyful praise to God for what he's done for us. The next Sunday we'll celebrate that resurrection day. We will explore how what we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, that Jesus Christ Jesus, our Savior, broke the power of death and illuminated the way of life and immortality through the good news. I'd encourage you to to read Matthew chapter 28 for next week's message. The title of next week's message will be The Death of Death. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you rode that fateful day knowing what was going to happen that next week knowing that you would be falsely accused, held on a a sham trial, knowing that you would be hung on the cross and crucified to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, knowing that you would have to suffer and die. And yet you chose to do it, Father. Let us give loud and joyful praise. Let us praise you for who you are and what you did for us. Let us praise you because you deserve the glory. We pray that as we go about this week that we refer to as Holy Week, that we might be sensitive to your leading. We might be sensitive that each day, that if we don't praise you, then you have the ability for the rocks to cry out and burst forth and cheer, Father. Help us 
to do our part to give you the honor, the praise, and the glory that's due your name. Pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I pray that this message was a blessing and a time of learning from God's Word. Thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly, I am your friend, as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal each day. And as we take this trek of life together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity, and leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, reminding you to keep moving forward, enjoy your journey, and create a great day every day. See you next time for more wisdom from God's Word.